You know, as I watch a lot of these TNA shows, and I'm talking about the pay-per-views and the shows that are weekly build-ups going into the big shows. I will say this. I definitely do have a deeper appreciation for the one-hour shows that they've had for the Impact deals because they told so many stories in just, honestly, like four hours worth of television. In those four hours, they built up for one show. They said a lot. I do appreciate that. When it comes to this pay-per-view, though, uh, I will say this, you guys. Up until I reach the 2009 Victory Road and even 2011 Victory Road, I thought to myself, some of these will be okay. There's probably not going to be too many shows that are going to be, you know, horrible. There's not going to be too many shows that are going to be, like, absolutely phenomenal all the time. Maybe Bound for Glory, stuff like that. Because I remember some of these. I remember renting Hardcore Justice, and I just remember one thing. And that was the main event. And honestly, it's for the wrong reasons. But I will get to that when I talk about the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Brace for Impact. I am the Impact Player of Wrestlatic Radio, who you can find on social media at Real Effin Game. Nate the Effin Great. Now I'm talking about Hardcore, ju- no, Hard Justice, geez Louise. Hard Justice 2007. Hardcore Justice isn't until, I want to say, within the next couple of years, I want to say. And... Hardcore Justice is going to be one of those show transitions where it seems welcoming because with Hardcore Justice, at least they have, you know, all matches are extreme rules or hardcore matches, except for certain stipulation matches. Uh, Hard Justice, it felt like a show that was supposed to deliver, you know, justice to wrestling. This is not one of those shows, ladies and gentlemen. I do mean that with the most utmost respect for TNA and all the people that have put their time and effort into creating the show. I give them that, but this was not one of the better shows. This may be, and I kid you not, one of the most lackluster, very time-consuming shows that I have seen since starting this. And some of the shows I've reviewed in the past, they have been very much passable. This one, I feel, barely passes. This is definitely one where you feel like something is wrong. Something is not right. Main event is Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle for all the gold. The X Division title, the TNA Tag titles, the World Heavyweight title, and the IWGP World Heavyweight title. And it has one of the most very frustrating conclusions that I can remember and like I said I remember the finish to this match I remember not liking it even back then and now as I look back nowadays it makes me even more angry because this is one of your hottest tickets rivalries Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle and you have so much drama unnecessary drama put into this and it's frustrating it's frustrating to watch, and I'll I'll talk about more of that in the show. But it took place on August 12, 2007, in the Impact Zone, 900 people in attendance. And this actually had a buy rate of 25,000 compared to the 20,000 that Victory Road had for the last show. This show did not deserve to have as much hoopla as it did. You handicapped two of your shows just to have these kind of winner-take-all situations. And it sucks because there were so many great... Ba- I remember talking about Slammiversary and being actually very excited and very happy with how the product turned out for the most part. And we went to Victory Road and it's like, okay, this is a little bit of a slump in the road. That's... That's okay, I guess it'll be fine. Hardcore Justice definitely feels like it was just that bottom barrel needing something different. And they held on to this whole... They handicapped, like I said, the championships for way too long. 
And to be honest, you're going to have to wait one more month before finally some things get back to normal. But I have ranted on for too long. Let's talk about hard justice. Uh, recap at the beginning of the show is for the build to the main event between, like I said, Joe and Kurt. Let's talk about this build right here and now. Because I'm not going to talk about it again. Because I literally have the first thing I have in the main event mo in my main event notes, other than it's awesome to see Kurt Angle get his new theme song where they had the uh they took the instrumental but they also had lyrics to it so it was kind of like this rap kind of deal to it uh as soon as i heard that i was like okay this this is a good this is one of my favorite kurt angle uh theme songs next to the you know metal you suck one this one i really enjoyed it definitely got me hyped up to see kurt angle other than that, the first note I had was fuck the drama with this main event. And I truly mean that. Fuck the drama. It all started with Samoa Joe taking Kurt Angle's titles and literally saying, let's do it for all the gold at Hard Justice. And it's like, okay, the kind of a childish thing to do, taking titles. But at the same time, hey, we're getting Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle again. That's going to be awesome. Then a week later, we have, actually, it was maybe two weeks later. No, I think it was two weeks later. Because they had this segment and then another segment that followed up a week later that just cemented the nail at the, okay, we're going down this path and we're not going back. Was Kurt Angle coming in? He has both the world title and the IWGP title. He's coming in, his wife is holding both the titles, and then their daughter is bringing a suitcase in. Yeah, the daughter drops the suitcase by accident, and Craig was like, well, it's coming out of your allowance. And he's just berating daughter and his wife at the time, Karen, and just being a complete asshole about this. And it all culminated with uh, Kurt Angle continuing to berate, and then literally taking... Karen to the ring and he's just talking about himself and then he's just putting Karen down all the time and then Samoa Joe comes out interrupts and literally has Kurt uh Karen I should say talk to the microphone basically stating that she was sick of all of the mistreatment that she was getting from Kurt Angle and that their marriage was over Kurt Angle goes into this mental spiral following week, Samojo's like, hey, I would love nothing more than to have you at ringside to watch your husband lose it all at hard justice. Kurt Angle tries to make an appeal one more time for Karen. Karen's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Just, just, just fuck off and leave me alone. And that's been kind of the buildup for this. So the buildup to this entire deal, I'm, not, I'm just going to get this right away. Throughout the show, we have Karen and this friend that she knows they're basically backstage celebrating that oh Samoa Joe's gonna win Kurt Angle's gonna lose everything and Kurt Angle's basically losing his mind basically being like oh well Karen wouldn't do that Karen wouldn't bring, bring a guy she, she's not a slut and then she hears about you know some other people saying like oh yeah yeah she's been roaming around with some random guy and I was like oh my god she's a slut oh, but I still love her oh, ho, 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 ho. And that's kind of the build-up. You... Uh, fuck this drama. This drama sucks. Oh, my God. I'm about 10 minutes into this match, but I haven't gotten to the first match. Oh. But it's because the stupid drama in the World Heavyweight Winner-Take-All title match, it's stupid. It's stupid. I hate it. I hate it with every fiber of my being. And honestly, I think that when people... This is weird for me because now when I think of, you know, nowadays when people, certain women are being called, you know, a Karen, uh, I feel like Karen Angle was the first embodiment of that. I believe that, you know, Karen, well, now Karen Jarrett, she is probably one of the nicest people that you'll meet in person, but I've also heard some conflicting stories about her. Um, but... You know, despite that she may be the nicest person you know, but she played off the whole 
Um, she was almost like the very first Karen that you could actually have in professional wrestling. She played that, well, oh my gosh, she was very complacent. She was manipulative. She just played this role way too well. And, you know, spot on her for doing that. But at the same time, it created something to where I'll never be able to get that out of my head. It's not even a bad, it's not even a good way. Uh, okay. So the question is, can I finally talk about the first matchup? No, I cannot, because here's another piece of bullshit in this show. Adam Pacman Jones, for those of you that might know, he's a football player. And he got suspended, and he basically is going to be coming to TNA in a quote-unquote non-wrestling role. But there's a point where they're going to promote him as a wrestler. So basically, there's a deal with him in the NFL where he can go to TNA, but he can't do anything physical. He can't do anything crazy like that. And yet, they have a moment where he's doing a physical thing backstage. Oh, my God. Ugh. Another reason why I hate the show, because you got a guy, yeah, literally with all of the, okay, so I'm getting flustered right now. With all the other celebrities that have come through, they've at least said, okay, I'm not a full-time wrestler, but I'm at least going to try to give these fans something that they will either enjoy or something that they will at least appreciate. And honestly, I appreciate so much of what these celebrities did when they came into TNA and what they did to the show. I do apologize if I had offended some of these people, but having Adam Pacman Jones come in, he's a big celebrity, and they're like, well, you know, he's still he's suspended with football, and we can't have him wrestle. It's like, but we're going to promote him as a wrestler. It's like, what? This makes no freaking sense. What the? Mm. Getting more details on that and what his role was later on in the show. Let's finally talk about something. Okay, uh, we have... Okay, so Mike Tanay, Don West, of course, amazing commentary team. Love these guys. They make my day absolutely 100%. They talk about the show lineup, talk about some of the matches, including uh, Eric Young versus Robert Roode in a humiliation matchup, which I'll talk more about that later on. Uh, the Doomsday Chamber of Blood matchup and the winner-take-all matchup for tonight. And then also Team 3D and Skyner Brothers. They're going to be competing tonight. That's a dream matchup. Would have been cool to see them wrestle, you know, years for this. But at the same time, we can at least say, you know, it's better now than ever. Uh, I'll talk about that later. But finally, first match on the show is a three-way tag team matchup in which you have Black Machismo Jay Lethal, the Guru Sanjay Dunt, Alex Shelley, and Chris Saban, the Motor State Machine Guns, and Triple X's, Christopher Daniels, and Senshi. These three teams are competing against each other, and really there's no stipulation to this, and the thing is that with them not having tag team titles for another month, this just feels like a match that they just put together. But I will say this, that this match is... By far, no joke, the best matchup on this entire card. I'm going to tell you this right now. This is a major spoiler. I give this matchup an A because it does showcase six great X Division talent and three incredible teams. Some of the highlights we have are just tag teams are just switching off between you know each other, doing tag team moves. Uh, Saban and Shelly actually do a deal where they do like uh, multiple leg drops onto, I believe it was Lethal. Uh, who gets isolated quite a bit during this matchup. We have a nice triple clothesline spot in which Daniels, Saban, and Lethal all close on each other and knock each other down. We have a nice dive by Lethal and an Asai Moonsault to the outside by Daniels. Saban and Senshi do a double dive to the outside. And then Sanjay, he feels kind of left out, so he does a Moonsault to everybody on the outside. Sajay Dunn. Why was this guy never X Division champion sooner? I know eventually he would be champion, but he should have been X Division champion sooner. I'll tell you the exact moment that they should have put the belt on him. We have Skipper uh, crotching Saban on the top rope 
And then he does a kind of catwalk deal on the ropes and then does a Frankensteiner to Chris Saban. That was a great spot. Sanjay and Lethal, they do a double team on Daniels. We get a Motor City Machine Guns team up on Lethal. Uh, but the one that stood out to me was a double re reverse STO on Lethal and Sanjay Dutt. How they did this was that they had, I believe Lethal was on his knees. And then they had Sanjay Dunt on Lethal Soldiers on like a like a chicken deal. And that's how and they just did a reverse STO with that, not hitting them both with that. It just it looked great. Uh great uh triple X uh team up spot. Okay, so Daniels has Sanjay Dunt on his shoulders in like a reverse almost like uh burning hammer position. Senshi is on the top rope. He jumps from the top rope, does a stomp to Sanjay Dunn, who's in that position. And then after that, he hits a warrior's way on Saban. And then Christopher Daniels does that reverse, has Sanjay does a kind of reverse FU or attitude adjustment. He has Sanjay hit Chris Saban. Like I said, awesome spot. Daniels and Senshi, they continue their offense by hitting Lethal with a heart attack uh, kick maneuver. So basically, Daniels picks him up with a spine buster. And then Senshi does like a beautiful disaster kick off the ropes. After some shenanigans, uh, Lethal hits a small package on Daniels, locks it in, and gets the three count to give Lethal and Sanjay the victory. Like I said, this was an A-quality matchup. Perfect matchup to start the show. It was absolutely amazing. And honestly, it does continue to tell a story between Lethal and Daniels because they had quite a bit of history going back from the match at Victory Road in which it seemed like Lethal had it won, but then Triple X reformed. So we see that kind of happening there. And it does continue onward to where Lethal and Daniels actually compete for the number one contendership for the X Division title, uh, in which Lethal wins. He wins again. So they're really kind of doing a deal where they're being a little hot, but also pulling back a little hot and then pushing back with uh, Lethal. They're trying to find that moderation between them, like not push him too hard, but also not make it so that he's buried. And I appreciate that. All right. So, yeah, I talked about this before. Uh, JB goes to Samoa Joe's locker room, and then there's Karen and her guy friend. They're just chatting, uh, having champagne, and they're kind of like nuzzling up next to each other. That kind of, it's just really weird. Whatever. Uh, I'm sure things will get better. Things will get better. Son of a bitch. Up next, we have Raven versus Kaz. Now, Kaz was a part of Serotonin, which is basically TNA's version of Raven's Flock, which had uh, Martyr and Havoc, Matt Bentley, and Giant Divine, respectively. And Kaz was also a part, part of that group. Kaz finally just said, I am having enough of Raven's shit. I'm done with this. I'm not listening to him anymore. So Raven decides, hey, we're going to beat you up. And this leads to this matchup here, where it's supposed to basically, you know, cut off the head of the serpent in a way uh raven tries to get kaz back with the you know serotonin basically saying you know hey you know dude we don't have to do this match just repent i'll be more than happy to welcome you back to the family kaz at first was like okay but then he was just like nope and matchup starts kaz does a nice clothesline to the outside kind of a cactus jack style clothesline so that was kind of cool Raven hits a side rush and leg sweep to Kaz on the outside, onto the onto the guardrail. Raven and Kaz, they trade punches, and then Raven gets a little bit of advantage until Kaz fires up. We don't see, like, the classic, uh, you know, punches, discus clothesline that Raven does. Serotonin, they get involved, and then ultimately backfires as Kaz is able to take them down. We see... Uh, Raven go for his Raven Effect DDT, but it gets countered, and Kaz hits him with a kick to the face for the win. Not really a drop kick. It looked like just a single leg kick. Uh, but yeah, Kaz wins off of that kick. Short matchup, sweet. 
to the point, still a C-quality matchup because honestly, while yes, I think it would benefit to have a little bit more time put onto this, I just feel like they also kind of rushed this a little bit. They could have probably done a little bit more with this. They probably could have had Kaz take on, you know, people like, like Havoc and Martyr. Have them take take on those two guys, and then that's how he gets to, to Raven. This was kind of just a match that was just thrown together, I think. The match itself was okay. It just had a lot of shenanigans, so kind of wore it down just a little bit. Next matchup is JB... Talking to... No, it's not Nagamax matchup segment. JB talks to Kurt Angle, snitches about Karen and friend, and then Kurt goes to Samojo's locker room to basically state, like, uh, to find, find out if JB's actually telling the truth. Uh, actually, it's kind of funny, is that Kurt Angle tries to, like, talk this guy down even though he probably doesn't care. Like, he makes a comment where he's like, is he an Olympic gold medalist? And JB's like, I, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> Basically, Kurt just tries to convince himself. It's like, Karen's not going to fight anybody better than me. I'm a great wrestler. I'm an Olympic gold medalist. I'm blah, 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 blah. And yeah, that's that's about it. All right. So now we have a barroom brawl between Rhino and James Storm. Obviously, this feud has definitely taken a bit of a personal deal with James Storm exploiting Rhino's past with alcohol abuse and this matchup is going to be one of those things where you're watching it and be like oh this is not a good idea for rhino it it really is not and uh yeah no it's 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 really not so um we see these guys they go to the ring rhino brawls with james storm on the outside you know the classic deal fighting them throwing them against the walls they reach like a bar counter deal. Rhino grabs a beer and he just starts drinking and he's just not stopping. All throughout the match, he's just kind of drinking every, every now and then. And that's one of those things where I'm like, oh, that's, he's going to relapse. That's not good. Uh, and because of the fact that he's drinking, we also see him not only, uh, we see him slowing down quite a bit, which tells you that he hasn't had beer in a long time. So obviously he doesn't know that his body can only take so much, obviously in the story. Um, uh, they have a ladder set up for whatever reason. Rhino does a belly to belly, sets up a table in a corner, obviously to set up James Storm for the gore. Uh, he hits a spine buster. He misses the spine, but he misses the gore attempt on a James Storm and goes right through that table. So we see James Storm. He hits a last call, he hits a concerto, and then he hits Rhino in the back of the head with a beer bottle. And that is enough to put him away. James Storm wins this barroom brawl. This matchup I gave a B because I liked this matchup more than the match at Victory Road. And maybe it does have to do with the fact that I really, really was fascinated at the story that they were telling here. And I think that they really played off, you know, that sometimes beer does not make you a superhuman. Sometimes it definitely does affect your system in a negative way. And they showed that with Rhino. I thought they did a really good job of explaining that. And the finish to where James Storm could have literally had Rhino beaten after even the concerto. He literally was like, no, I'm literally just going to bash this dude's head in and I'm going to you know, show dominance, basically. And he showed that. It was, honestly, really well done. I know there's going to be a like final match between these guys at No Surrender, but this matchup was probably like peak, very well done storytelling and match quality-wise, it was good. We go backstage and Ron the Truth Killings. He is pissed. Why? Because everybody's talking about Adam Pac-Man Jones. For a while, we did not know what our truth was doing. I honestly was thinking that we're going to see Ron the Truth Killings literally come out with all these parodies of all the stuff that he was, all these movies that he was making. They never did anything with that. 
it just kind of fell on the wayside. And he's basically, stay, he, he's literally just fed up with everybody talking about Adam Pacman Jones, that they should be talking about our truth. I'm going to keep calling him our truth, even though in this deal, his name is Ron Killings. Uh, basically, they should be talking about him instead of Adam Pacman Jones, two t- former two-time TNA champion, and he literally thinks that he is the ultimate team player. This is one of those few times where I look at this and I think to myself, this is a small taste of what we get with the early uh, conspiracy theory, R-Truth, that we would see in WWE years later. But at the same time, I really do love this kind of deal where he's just absolutely out of his mind. He's saying a lot of stuff that makes sense, but it also makes you kind of tilt your head like, the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I love... I love our truths character with this kind of stuff. When he acts all crazy, it's just, it's great. It's absolutely great. It's not only entertaining, but it's definitely one of those things where it keeps me interested because I want to know what is going through his mind. I want to know what he comes up with next. Yeah. So speaking of random ramblings, a uh, random thing activates. We're going to have a basic tag team matchup as we're going to have the Latin American Exchange taking on the Voodoo Kin Mafia with Roxy Laveau in their corner. This matchup was just kind of thrown together. No real builds. Nothing really too crazy. But, uh, yeah, no, there's just this really boring start where they just kind of do the classic wrestling style, but it just really got old really fast. Uh, crowd was chanting same old shit. And I think that was directed mainly at Voodoo, at the Voodoo Kin Mafia, which sucks because I feel like VKM and LAX, they have a history between the two of them, and they could have really put another chapter in that feud between these guys. But they missed out on that by hitting the whole reset button with Team 3D and uh, Latin America Exchange one too many times. So... Literally, they're working on Homicide throughout the entirety of this whole deal until VKM kind of screw up. As soon as Homicide tags in Hernandez, Hernandez comes in with a springboard double shoulder block. He got the people woke up. He's like, all right, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. Uh, we see him go for a border toss on, I think it was Billy Gunn, Kip James, and... Just as he's about to board toss him, Roxy Laveau throws throws powder in the face of Hernandez. Hernandez is blinded. We see Kip James hit a Famouser on Hernandez. It was very much botched. It did not look good at all. But we get a 1-2-3, and VKM seemingly get the victory. Or do they? Because after the match is over... We see Hector Guerrero. He comes out and he is telling the referee, no, here's what happened. We have a bit of scrutiny. And he shows that there's still some powder residue left over at rings at the on the apron. The match gets restarted. Homicide does a roll-up on Kip James for the win. And LAX gets the victory here after a match is restarted. So another one-on-one in this thing. I guess what this was a weird matchup and I'm giving this matchup a D just because of the fact that it was definitely a kind of paint by numbers kind of match, but also just as it was getting good, they just screwed up everything. This was not a failure of a matchup. No, 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 no. This was not like VKM versus the Basham brothers. This was a matchup where it had something going. Fans were starting to get into it, but then they just cut it off way too fast. And then they just decided, well, you know, we don't like this result, so we're just going to hit a reset button. And people are like, okay, then. That's stupid. So, yeah. No, that's all we got to say about that. And, uh, yeah, Hector's getting involved with LAX. And I'm not 100% sure... What happened with Conan during this time? I want to say that his contract expired. I'm going to actually look that up here because it's really weird because all throughout the 
all throughout the buildup, I think, to Hard Justice, they just, he kind of just faded away. And they didn't really say, you know, what really happened, if he was, like, injured or if he just left the company. It was just, it was really weird. It just, he just kind of fell away. And he just kind of disappeared throughout the entirety of this thing. So, let me see here. It's just really weird. It was, it's really weird that they just decided to you know, go from that to having him just kind of in there. Okay, so I'm going to read this kind of uh, verbatim, kind of what happened here. So, in early 2007, Conan underwent hip surgery. His appearances in TNA from then on saw him frequently using wheelchair in 2000. And to the in June, Conan left TNA, as did Ron Killings. Conan gave several interviews about the drug abuse problem in pro wrestling around that time, most notably to the New York Daily News, which indicated that Conan believed his hip degenerated after years of steroid abuse and the physical toll of his sport and painkillers and anti-inflammatory drugs ruined his kidney. He would reiterate the issue on his podcast some years later. He successfully underwent kidney transplant surgery on July 23, 2007. Okay, so he was, uh, he left the company. So that's, that's why. Now we know. And this excerpt that I got was from uh, Wikipedia. So it's just giving like a small deal of what probably happened with that. So, man, no. I guess uh, Conan, we're not going to see him for quite a while until the later years. Uh, man, it's going to be a long time before we even see him be again because he doesn't come back until we get to the uh, Santana and Ortiz LAX era, which is going to be years from now. Ooh, that's, but that's going to be a lot of fun to live. So we go backstage and Eric Young, he is talking about the ultimate humiliation match against Robert Roode. And he's getting all these like high school flashbacks of everybody just humiliating him. And JB, of course, being his little pep talk deal, is like, dude, you gotta, you gotta be strong. You gotta, you, know, you, you could win, you could win this and you could have, you know, the ultimate humiliation against, against Robert Roode. You could be the one that humiliates him. Uh, Kurt yells at JB and at Eric, <laughs> and at Eric Young, Eric Young confirms the fact that, you know, Karen has a guy friend Saying, like, you know, he's tall, he's handsome, blah, blah, blah. And then Craig was like, oh, I gotta go talk to Kevin Nash. And I'm thinking, oh, God, it's still going. This is still going. This is stupid. Let's go into the next matchup. Robert Roode versus Eric Young in an ultimate humiliation matchup. Basically, after Eric Young scored a victory over Robert Roode at Slammiversary and got his freedom back, Robert Roode has not taken that very lightly. Instead... He actually humiliated Eric Young on an episode of Impact of TNA Impact, where he tarred and feathered Eric Young on national TV. So basically, that's where this matchup comes about. We have Eric Young versus Robert Roode. And if Roode wins, or if Eric Young wins, the loser gets tarred and feathered. It's really all it is. Roode goes on the attack early. And we have Eric Young hitting a Thez press. He gets a little bit of advantage until Ms. Brooks interferes. Rude stays on the offense until Eric Young gets the advantage after a while. Uh, oh, gosh. Robert Rude catches Eric Young with an Alabama slam, and Eric Young does this amazing sell where he just kind of backflips a little, backrolls a little bit, and just flops all over the place. It was, it was great. Rude puts down his... Uh, knee pad and hits a uh, knee drop from the second rope. We get a double knockdown by these guys. A back body drop. Spagingo by Eric Young. Brooks is catapulted into Robert Roode. We see. Uh, oh, okay. We have. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We have Rude going for the payoff, but it gets countered into a roll-up for a two-count by uh, Eric Young. We get a blockbuster by Robert Rude. Rude is able to drop 
he goes for a brass knuckle shot, but he drops the knucks, uses the referee as a shield, but he's able to get the brass knuckles again. As the referee is distracted, boom, brass knuckle shot to Eric Young. Rude covers him and gets the win. So Rude wins the ultimate humiliation matchup, and Eric Young is going to be tarred and feathered. Uh, he goes for the deal, but Gail Kim stops Rude. Uh, Rude calls Gail a little bitch, and then Rude gets slapped. Brooks hits Rude accidentally, but then we see Rude go on the... Oh, no, Brooks, Brooks gets hit by Rude accidentally, seemingly knocking her out. But then she, he's able to grab uh, Gail Kim. But then Eric Young, I shit you not when I say this, he field goals Robert Rude straight in the balls. It was literally one of those moments where I'm like, holy cow, that was like a freaking football kick right there. So Rude is literally licking his wounds up the rampway. Eric Young looks and sees Brooks just lying there. Then he looks at the crowd. They're chanting. They're cheering. And Eric Young tars and feathers Brooks. And after a moment, after she gets tarred and feathered, Brooks, she is just in disbelief. She looks over. She looks up at Robert Rude. And is there like, Robert, Robert. And she gets up and she starts hopping up and down. She literally looks like a chicken just doing this. It's so ridiculous, but so funny. Oh, God bless you, Tracy Brooks. You are amazing. Uh, for the match itself, I give this one a C. This was not one of their better matches. Uh, I felt like this one was rushed a little bit more, but I feel like there was just something missing from this. There, Plus, we saw a lot of what happened in this matchup. There was like a moment where they teased the whole uh, double Death Valley driver deal in the matchup. And it's like, you guys already did that. It's anniversary. So why try and do it again? Just makes no sense. Um, but yeah, no, this was not one of their better matches. I will say that. And this is not going to be the last time that we see Rude and Eric Young in the ring together. Especially not this year. Especially not for this year. No, 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 no. There's going to be at least one more time, to my knowledge. It's going to be one of the worst matches ever made. So, we go to the next matchup, and we have Chris Harris. He is backstage talking about how he knows Dustin well, and that he never took a spot from Dustin. He always earned it, and that this issue between the two of them is going to end tonight. Obviously, the issue that he's referring to is that at Victory Road, Chris Harris had Christian Cage beaten in the middle of the ring. The problem is, though, Dustin Rhodes got involved and hit a handcuff shot to Harris in the back of the head, and that allowed Christian to roll him up for the victory, and that's just kind of the build-up for this. But then we see all these promos of Dustin Rhodes. He's literally saying, like, there's something deep inside that's one wide to come out. And talk about... Black Rain. Oh my gosh. So, let's go into this matchup. Chris Harris versus Black Rain. Dustin comes out in a weird, kind of like Goldusk-like, darkish attire, but instead of it being gold and black, it's silver and black. And he's trying to look like a horror movie villain of some sort. Uh, Rain is beating down on Chris Harris. He beats him with the cuffs. He attacks a ref. Match is over. It's very short and simple. He attacks security. He hits a spike. He had, he had like this uh, cane that had like a spike on the top of it, but he hits that spike in the top of Chris Harris's head, even though he's been busted open. He's bleeding. Kaz, Lethal, and Dutt, they make the save, and Black Rain leaves the ring. This was a failure of a matchup. This was an F. This was by far one of the worst things I have ever seen. This, I will dare say, was even worse than the VKM Basham Brothers matches. This was bottom of the barrel. Horrible match. So bad to watch. And it had very little to no wrestling involved with this. 
But some people would say, like, well, maybe they were trying to build up a character. This is not the way you build up a character. This is how you almost commit character suicide. This match did nothing for Black Rain. It did nothing for Dustin. It just was a piece of shit match. It sucked. It sucked. It sucked. Oh, and by the way, it sucked. Moving on. So, next up we have... What are we going to do here? Oh, God, more of this bullshit. Kurt Angle cries to Kevin Nash about... Oh, I lost my family. I lost my wife. Oh, have pity on me. Nash yells at Kurt Angle to pull himself together and to get everything ready so he can beat Samoa Joe. There even comes a point where Kevin Nash talks to JB and is like, is, he, is, the, is this guy that Karen's with, you know, big? Is he good? And then Kurt goes like, guys, this is not helping me. You're not helping me. To which I kind of chuckled a bit. I'm like, okay, there's at least one, one gen of a moment here. Uh, and it seems like Kurt Angle's you know, back and he's focused, but Kurt just goes, no, just cries back into the couch again. So yeah, that was a thing. Up next, we have the Steiner brothers taking on Team 3D. Oh, thank God. I am so happy that we're just about done with this. Oh, no. I want no. I don't want to talk about this. This was stupid. Oh wait, no. We still got. We still got him before we talk about that. I was worried because I. I thought my notes. The next thing I'm talking about is Adam Pacman Jones, and um. You know I'm just gonna get it done here. I know that it's not part. Of, it's not the correct order of the show, but I just don't care. I just want to get it out of the way. So, Adam Pacman Jones, he makes his debut. He wants to show the world that he's a team player, and he's basically cutting this really mediocre promo. Truth comes out, he's cutting down Jones, uh, brings up the fact that he can't wrestle or fight anyone, and Truth had this kind of weird line, but it also was kind of funny. He said that you should rub, li- rub a line with sandpaper, then mess with me. To which I'm like, that's, okay, that's stupidly funny. So, R-Truth is coaxed on by Jones to come in and attack him. R-Truth is ready to go up, but security stops him. And I talk to me like a lot of security. There was like 10 guys that stopped R-Truth. As Jones is talking, fans are chanting him to shut the fuck up. To which I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Just thank you. Uh, Yeah, that segment just is a bad omen for what's to be coming for the next month. Two months. Fuck. (laughs) Just fuck. Alright, so now I gotta backtrack just a little bit because it was kind of in order, but I wanted to get the Adam Pac-Man deal out of the way. So, we're backstage and we talk to the Steiner Brothers and to Team 3D. Steiner Brothers, they are ready to battle against Team 3D. They've been looking forward to this matchup for quite a while. And Team 3D, they uh, Bully Ray does this kind of brother Ray does this kind of mock deal where he acts like he's the doctors from Puerto Rico, basically saying, Oh, Scott Steiner's here. He may be on his left, last life. What do we do? Eh, let him go. And he just you know, telling Jamie, what you don't think I, that was funny. You don't think that's funny? Get the hell out of here. He then, with his brother Devon, said that they spit on the respect of the Steiners. And they even ended by Devon doing like the whole, Oh, my brother, testify! And then ended with both of them going, Two. Basically showing that they spit on him. All right. Like I said, Steiner Brothers versus Team 3D. How did this dream match that happened way too many years too late turn about? Not bad, actually. Honestly, not bad. If I had to pick a choice for, like, second best match of the night, aside from probably the barroom brawl, this would be my pick for it. We have Rick Steiner hitting a nice power slam onto Devon. Scott Steiner, he comes in and he hits not one, but two Spagingo back body drops on Devon as well as on Ray. 
He does a clothesline array and then an elbow drop, and then he does his push-up deal, which is great. Hits a double clothesline onto Team 3D. A belly-to-belly -belly suplex to Devon. Uh, Ray grabs Scott Steiner's, I want to say his right arm. Yeah, his right arm. And he just yanks it on the top rope. And the reason why they did it on that particular deal is because that is the arm that was surgically repaired. Because how Scott Steiner described it was that he got injured in Puerto Rico. And he had a deal where it messed up his, uh, his lyrics and his trachea. And instead of it going through the chest, the doctors actually had to go from underneath his right arm, go through his ribs, deflate his lung, and then they, they replaced and uh, fixed his trachea through that way. To which I'm like, oh my God, that sounds just, sounds horrible, honestly. But Scott Steiner is a living, breathing embodiment that, you know, he's lucky to be alive. Um... So they focus on that arm quite a bit, and there even comes a point where it does look like that scar that was there was just starting to bruise up a bit, which worried me a bit because I was thinking, oh no, they might have re-injured his, his part of his body there. I hope that's not the case. Uh, we see Devon working on the arm and working on that scar. He does like an abdominal stretch there, which I think that was very smart. Rick Steiner gets a hot tag. He does some clotheslines. He gets not one but two spagingos on the on the Team 3D, and then he hits two T bones on both Ray and Devon. Scott Steiner hits a top rope belly to belly on Devon. We get a Doomsday device by Team 3D onto Scott Steiner. They go for the what's up on Rick Steiner, but Scott Steiner stops it. Hits a Frankensteiner on Devon. I don't care what anyone says. The fact that Scott Steiner, at his physique and at his age, was still able to hit a Frankensteiner, even though it's not that standing Frankensteiner that he did back in the day, I don't care. That looked great. Scott Steiner hits a locks in a Steiner recliner onto Devon. Ray stops it. Hits the 3D.2, as I call it, the back suplex into a neckbreaker. Rick Steiner counters a 3D, hits a T-bone on Ray. Scott and Rick get Devon up with and hit a electric chair Steiner Bulldog and pin Devon for the victory. The Steiner brothers pick up the win here, which was kind of shocking, but also welcoming, kind of, because Team 3D had been winning quite a few times. But I also do remember that they were... Um, Losing quite a bit to LAX now that I think about it. Probably, gosh, now I'm thinking about it. I think Team 3D had only won three matches. Holy shit. Yeah. They only have won like three matches in this year. Every other time they've lost. Oh, no, there's four because of the... Nope, nope, that was three. There was three. I remember now. They've only won three matches on pay-per-view this year. That's crazy. Uh, I give this matchup a C. Like I said, this matchup was good. The problem I had with this was that there were too many moments where the Steiner brothers had the advantage. They really needed to have more moments where Team 3D could uh, pick up the offense and break away you know, a lot of the buildup between the two of them. But at the same time, I think I can understand because Rick and Scott, they're not in their prime. So you can only do so much. All right, so we already we already talked about that crap. Uh, Christian Cage says that there will be no blood drawn on any members of the team, ex and especially AJ's, and that the champ is back. He's back with you know the Christian Coalition, and AJ Styles playing this kind of like dorky kind of character is literally like yo. What what does he mean by it? What do you mean by you know me get busted open and. He basically has this guarantee that he is not going to be bleeding because he holds up a box of Band-Aids. He's like, there's nobody that's going to cut me. And then Tom, I have here Tomko, the buzz killer. Best one ever. And I say that with the utmost certainty. I've been watching a lot of you know, Tyson Tomko 
with the watching the TNA Impact. I gotta say this: Tyson Tomko is literally the best kind of buzzkill you would want to have. He literally plays so many of these moments straight. It's amazing. This is the prime example of it. He literally looks at the band-aids and looks at AJ. And he says to he says to AJ, that stops the bleeding, but doesn't prevent it. And AJ kind of gives him a look like, what? Really? <laughs> this is one of those things where I'm like, oh my god, I, I freaking love Tyson Topko. I I mean, there, I think it's between this and the Royal Rumble deal where, where Christian's tried to do a rap on John Cena. He looks over at Tomko and he's like, Tomko, give me a beat. And then Tomko's just like, no. It's just that awkwardness. Oh my god. I, Man, I sorely appreciate Tomko more as I'm watching these. Just like uh, my friends over at the Ruthless Aggression Podcast, uh, shout out to them. Uh, their recent episode that they did was on the Survivor Series 2004 and how hilariously dumb this whole thing between Heidenreich and Gene Snitsky is. So definitely check out check that out, you guys. They're a lot of fun. It's awesome. So backstage, though, we have a backstage deal where they show Adam Pacman Jones had been attacked by who? We don't know. Uh, they make it seem like you know he was bleeding by the eye and something will happen there. And then they show during the next matchup that Adam Pacman Jones is wheeled out in an ambulance. Uh, they show, and like I said, they showed that during the matchup, which tells you that they know that this next match sucks ass. It's the Doomsday Chamber of Blood matchup with Christian's Coalition, Christian Cage, AJ Styles, and Tomko. Versus Abyss, Sting, and the Punisher, Andrew Martin. Why is the Punisher, Andrew Martin, here? Why is Test here? I don't fucking know, ladies and gentlemen. They literally had a match where it was... I believe it was Sting and Abyss versus AJ Styles and Christian. Where it was a ladder match. And the winning member that got the contract got to choose the stipulation for the match at Heart Justice. During this matchup, Tomko got involved, and then came in Andrew Martin, a.k.a. Test. He came in and literally cleaned house to help Abyss win. And that's about it. That That's literally about it. So, um, Doomsday Chamber of Blood match is that it's a match where it's six sides of steel with Barb Ryer on the top. The only way you can win this matchup is by pinfall, but first you have to make your opponent bleed. Sounds cool, but this matchup was not the best way to introduce that concept. <laughs> uh, we see, as soon as Abyss comes out, the Christ Christian's Coalition attacks Abyss. They're beating him down. Out comes Test. Out comes Sting. They're wrestling all over, all over the arena. And then they're wrestling a little bit in the cage. Tomko is the first one to start bleeding first after getting thrown into the uh, cage. I think it was in the cage. Styles, he does a dive onto Abyss from the ring to the outside. Tess does some big boots and a pump handle slam to cage. There comes a point where he tries to cover cage, but the referee's like, no, 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 he's not bleeding yet, so you can't do anything yet. Uh, Tomko comes in with some chair shots. He... They do a deal where they prevent Sting from getting in, so it's just Abyss and Test in the ring, uh, to the point where they actually close the cage door and lock the cage door. Um, we see Christian go into the velvet bag that was introduced by Abyss and pick up a piece of glass, and he cuts open Abyss onto, on his head. We see Abyss bleeding from that. Sting is able to get some wire cutters, and he climbs up the side of the cage, and he cuts the barbed wire. Now, here's where it gets to be really, really dumb, ladies and gentlemen. So, this barbed wire, I assumed was probably, like, bolted, was probably, like, wired very well. It was not. Sting clipped one barbed wire, and then he just took his glove, and he pushed the majority of the barbed wires to the side. It was so bad. It was one of those things where I'm like, 
barbed wire A should not move that easily. And I would have figured it would have probably cut Sting's hand at that point. It just was bad. But Sting gets in the ring. He hits a top rope bulldog onto AJ Styles. Hits a stinger splash to Cajun Tomko. Tomko hits the double-handed choke slam, a.k.a. the derailer, onto a chair on Abyss. AJ Styles and Cage, they both hit their patented frog splashes. Test hits a big boot to Tomko, who has a chair in his hand. Cage is able to get out of the cage. No pun intended. Styles gets busted open by being thrown into the cage and then hits a, gets hit with a black hole slam into the glass, allowing Abyss to pick up the win for his team. And also, I forgot to mention this, since he picked up the win, he will be in line for a world title match at No Surrender. He's the number one contender, basically. I gave this matchup a C. This was one of those matches... Oh, honestly, I may even go... This is like a C, C minus, I would say. Very close to a D. This matchup does not do well. Uh, the concept is cool, but everything that went into this matchup, just the buildup was weird, and the whole match itself was just weird as well. I know that we have like maybe two more of these matches in the next few years, I want to say. I think they're going to get better, I want to say, but I could be wrong. This was just the worst way that you could have this match debut. It was it was bad, it was rough. It it sucked. <laughs> it really sucked. <laughs> um go from that to the main event which is the winner take all match between Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. I've already talked about the build up to this. It sucks ass. During this matchup, Karen and his and her boy toy are at ringside and they show the two of them mingling, which took away so much from the matchup. They could have done like two pans over to that. Three with like one spot in that. Um but they panned over to that spot one too many times. They just took away from the main events. And that's why I hate this match. Uh, Samoa Joe, like I said, uh, uh, Kurt Angle, like I said, he got his new entrance music where there's a little bit more like rappy kind of feel to it. It's it's awesome. I definitely recommend anybody who can find it to listen to it. It's really cool. Samoa Joe, he comes out with a kind of like tribal entrance where he has... Uh, uh, so people from the Samoan Isles there doing like this kind of tribal dance with him. It's kind of really cool. Uh, we get some mat wrestling by Samo by these two guys, but Samojo he keeps on getting the advantage. He's got these head games put in here. I've already mentioned the Karen and friend thing. Uh, oh my gosh. So a funny moment in this match is where Kurt Angle's trying to get an advantage on Samoa Joe. And so many times, Kurt is trying to run away from Samoa Joe, but Joe literally grabs Kurt Angle's singlet and pulls him into a headlock. And then he does it again. And then finally, Kurt Angle's just like, okay, I'm sick and tired of this. He pulls down the straps for his singlet. And he's literally like, you're not going to get me again. Well... Unfortunately, Kurt, that leaves you vulnerable to be exposed. And I mean that literally. There came a point where Samoa Joe actually was on the ground. He grabs Kurt Angle's singlet, and he actually goes a little too far. He also grabs Kurt's underwear. He's grabbing it, and we see Kurt Angle's moon into the audience. Just literally like, well, how do you make Kurt Angle more humiliated? That's how you do it. <laughs> Uh, Kurt Angle goes to ringside, yells at Karen, who tosses champagne in his face. Not a DQ. Whatever. We get a chop, a kick, and a knee drop by Samoa Joe, who also then hits a face wash. And then we see Kurt Angle take advantage by hitting a German suplex. He gets two more on Joe until Joe catches Kurt Angle off guard. Hits a German of his own where Kurt Angle just oversells it and just over the top deal. That was, that was almost like a Brock Lesnar 
sell for a German suplex back at WrestleMania 19. It was insane. Uh, some discus shots by Joe. Uppercut by Kurt Angle. He tries to bounce off the ropes, but eats a, running, eats a power slam by Samoa Joe. Joe hits a high kick. Kurt with a eye rake right into the German suplex. Samoa Joe hits a corner Uranagi. Kurt Angle, he counters the muscle buster into an ankle lock, which gets countered into the coquina clutch, and then it gets countered back into the ankle lock, and then it gets countered into a small package. Angle hits the angle slam for a two count. A top rope belly-to-belly -belly suplex. Samoa Joe hits a muscle buster. One, two. Nope, it's not over. We get the classic coquina clutch into the ankle lock, into the coquina clutch again. But then during this kind of scuffle, uh, referee goes down. Joe is able to lock in the Coquina Clutch again. Kurt Angle is tapping out, and Samoa Joe goes over to try and revive the referee, and then Kurt Angle hits a low blow onto Samoa Joe. Karen Angle takes her chair that she's sitting in, brings it to ringside, and she's there like, Joe, take my chair, take my chair. Joe crawls to Karen, looks like he's about to grab the chair, when Karen pulls the chair back. Samoa Joe is like, what are you doing? Kurt Angle hits a chop block. Karen throws the chair to Kurt Angle. Bam! Chair shot to the face of Samoa Joe. Revives the referee. One, two, three. Kurt Angle has won this winner-take-all matchup. He retains his IWGP and TNA World Heavyweight Championship, but now has the holder of the X Division and the TNA World Tag Team titles. Matchup is over, and that is how the show ends, with Kurt Angle holding all the title, Karen smiling, Karen's friend and Kurt's friend, they're both smiling, yada yada, evil way to end this, but also fuck this matchup. I gave this matchup a D. This main event was going okay. I seen a lot of the stuff with Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe, and I was still enjoying it. Because there were some elements that were new. There were also some that were familiar that still do not get old. Like them reversing each other's submission maneuvers. That never gets old. That That's just great. The finish is what really fucked up this matchup. Because this drama was so unnecessary. They could have literally had one of the best matches of the year. Like they did last year. And they literally... Threw it away just so that they could introduce Karen Angle into this story. And that created a whole list of new problems. So, that main event really disappointed me. And the ending is what... It's kind of one of those things where it's like you're watching a great movie and the ending is what kills it. Jeez, uh, I'm trying to think of like a good example. For me, I guess I would say the Slenderman movies was probably one of them. Uh, movie okay, that movie was not that great. It was boring, but then it was just made worse by the ending. Uh, I'm sure I'll think of something like later on that I'll bring up with you guys. But yeah, this was a really shitty, shitty way to end the show. It sucked. Final grading for this show is a C going down to a C minus. There were a lot of problems with the show. I already mentioned the main event. One too many times. A lot of the matches here were either good, like the tag team match between the Steiners and Team 3D and Rhino and James Storm, to just passable, if not close to passable. Um, like I said, you know, the whole thing, the major failures were the VCAM versus LAX and Black Rain versus Chris Harris. Match of the night hands down was the beginning three-way X Division tag match. That matchup was great. Hate the fact that there was nothing on the line for that. But it builds up into something more with Jay Lethal and Christopher Daniels. So that's the one re one redeeming thing about this entire deal. But uh, that was a rough show to get through. But it's okay. But it's okay. We got two shows to close up this upcoming uh, season, to which we have No Surrender and then Bound for Glory. After those two shows, 
Season two is over. We're on to season three, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. And season, and we have no surrender. We have Kurt Angle defending all three championships at the show. The X Division title, the TNA Tag Team titles, and the world title. I will talk about who he's defending them next time on the show. Thank you guys for listening in. Be sure to always give us a follow on our social media platforms where you can find us easily on Twitter at attic underscore wrestle, in which we also have a link tree that connects you to all of our other social media platforms, including Instagram, etc. But you also get a chance to see some of the great content that we have, as well as the great merchandise that we have for absolutely very good prices, you guys. So many great items that you can check out on our merch store, from t-shirts to blankets to freaking cups. You name it, we literally have it. I remember when I first started out here, and they actually had like a baby... uh like a bit like a one baby onesie for that. I'm pretty sure you could still get a baby onesie from our deal. It's just it's great. It's absolutely great. But be sure to check out not only more episodes of Brace for Impact, but also the episodes of Kings of the Ring, WrestleMania Podcast, and one of the recent episodes that we had of Young Lions Perspective making a comeback. So definitely check that out. And be sure to tell the Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Let them know. We'd love to see him back. We really do. We're here missed sorely. So thank you guys so much for listening in. And I will check you guys out in the next video. In the words of one of the greatest YouTubers of all time. Bye-bye.